right. So we know COVID-19 has undoubtedly disrupted many industries with the pandemic's long-term effects. Dauntlessly emerging, companies need to devise new ways to adapt and grapple with reality, man. Um, so today we're kind of going into another article we're reviewing. And this time it's, it's referring to like... Well, let's just say this. The article's called uh, Back to the Future? Question mark. Airline sector poised for change post COVID nineteen, and this article is from April of this year, twenty twenty one. Oh, here we're going into recent news now. Well, recent ish, right? Yeah, pretty recent. So, I mean, as as I kind of said in earlier, like we kind of felt the effects. Well, I'd say kind of a lot of us have felt the effects of the pandemic, and some effects are more long term than others, and they affected a whole lot of industries. For aviation, it affected us big. Um, my MVP and myself have been very fortunate to have been part of some work where we're a little bit fluid as to the requirements. So we're kind of able to plug and play in certain things to keep us busy and employed. But for certain individuals, for certain aviation um, sectors, weren't as lucky and they had to like dial down. They had to lay off a couple of people and all sorts of things. And But now everything's starting to ramp back up and now we're running to more issues now that everything's slowly starting to turn its way back on and like with some of the stuff this article was mentioning is like say hygiene and safety right uh, people now are going to expect clean and safe travel um, they're going to want now that we've shown how strict we can be with the with the hygiene and stuff now it's kind of like something we expect now if anyone has ever traveled recently or has seen how that works I mean you you tell us like like once you've exposed yourself to something, it's kind of hard to let that go. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So it says we just mentioned hygiene and safety. So it says, uh, you know, besides the financial aspect, um, you know, long-term uh, effects on aviation are coming out. Uh, some of these are obvious, such as the hygiene and safety standards, um, which was more stringent sterilization. And then, uh, possible having to show the vaccine certificates right so we've all heard that in the news or maybe within your own company that you may be required to um carry around your vaccine card everywhere oh you want to go in the grocery store you know show us your papers you know it's 1939 berlin all over again but besides the point um like i know within my own uh job we've had to bring our cards to work and upload them into a tracking system that they've devised wow really yeah. yeah, so I assume because of that, yeah, so we've had to, everybody's had to upload that or their accommodation, right? If you were granted a religious or medical accommodation, then you have to upload that paperwork. Um, but if not those, then definitely it has to be your your vaccine card. So I assume for the airlines, it'll probably be the same way. And I wonder if it'll be to the point where, here's what I think they're going to do. They're going to let you purchase the ticket, get all the way to the gate and say, show us your card. And like, oh, I don't have it, or I didn't get the vaccine, or whatever else. Oh, sorry, you can't get on the plane. No refunds. Ha ha. Oh damn. No. I'm, or I'm, will it be will it be hey, uh, you want to purchase this ticket? Uh, input your input your vaccine card identification tag. Something. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how the airlines would get access to all that for the entirety of the country, but or people coming in to the country from other countries. Right. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I, I so don't know. I assume it'll be one of those. 
yeah, buy your ticket, show up. If you don't have your card, eh, it sucks to be you. Right. Uh, I, I, I have a, I venture there might be some kind of way, like say like, um, if you did get the vaccine, for instance, your doctor or your medical provider will have some kind of a barcode or some shit. Like it's approved. Like a, it, it kind of tells the system a certain way without releasing so much public or personal health info. Something to that effect. I, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. And I'm not sure how the politics is going to work it without fucking inciting out an outrage. But <laughs> well, if you're one of the compu- conspiracy theorists, uh, they'll just scan the chip that's already in your arm for when you got the shot. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're going to set off the metal detector when you go through security. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that totally could be it. I mean, but without stepping into too much political mud, I'm sure like there's going to be some kind of control where you can show your public, your personal health info without disclosing your public health info. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. And I I don't have the brain capacity to help the world solve that. But I will I will admit that uh, be, like you brought up the like the ticket sales and stuff um, right here in the article, it says leisure trips were, are going to fuel the recovery of airline industries. Now, what the hell does that mean? to the layman as in the rest of us. If, Say that one more time, please. Uh, leisure trips will fuel the recovery of airlines. So. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this was this was kind of like a dull moment to me, but I just didn't really let that process. Um, if you guys don't didn't know, airline companies rely on business trips for the majority of their revenue. That's why they have business class. That's why majority of people who work in a company who have to do business travel, they, they have they worked on some kind of deal where they know they're going to be frequently flying and they have, this, they have this program where they can do their business and travel without having to blow a fuckload of money. So their prices are pretty uh, dialed in. But of course, with the pandemic uh, hit and a lot of companies have to shut down or go 50% or do telework or, or Zoom calls or whatever, that need for well, that's, in- that's interesting because you think about a lot of those people who were traveling, you know, once a month for their job, and now they've realized that hey, we can actually do a Zoom call or a Skype call or whatever you want to say, uh, instead of having to meet face to face and get the same amount of productivity done. And companies are going, awesome, man, we're saving so much money on airline tickets and hotels and and rental cars and per diems, you know, like, yeah. hey, this is fantastic. So I I. I guess I see that side of it too, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So like with, with companies like why I'm saving money by not sending this person on a work travel because any one of us who has ever had to do work travel, you know, the legwork and the stupid freaking hoops you have to jump through to get the advance to travel, to get approved to travel and then get all that stuff reimbursed back before you get hit by the freaking credit companies. (laughs) Uh No kidding. Well, I even think about like, Talking about the business travel and all that. I mean, I think about in my past past life when, hell, I was flying to all different parts of the world. So I think about the cost that those companies were paying to the airlines to fly just myself alone, not include the 500 other people that were doing the same thing mm-hmm. um, all across the country and around the world, you know, from month in, month out, week in, week out. Right. So, like... A lot of some people are probably scratching heads like, what do you mean like leisure trips are going to feel because like people spend like 500, 600, sometimes a couple thousand for a trip. Right. And yes, they do. But how often does one person go on vacation and blow that kind of money for an airplane ticket? That is because most most people, when they travel, 
They usually take their car, they carpool, they take the bus, they take the train. Only when they're going somewhere fancy are they going to take a plane unless they live that far away. But that happens every so often versus business trips. Depending on your job, you can be doing this like 50% of the time, 70% of the time, all the time. Right? Yeah. So like, exactly. yeah, your business trip ticket is only 500 bucks, but you're, you're paying 500 bucks every so many weeks versus like one person taking a, a $1,200 vacation trip once a quarter, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. so now again, going back to like with the remote work or the teleworking or the Zoom call working, all that is unnecessary because now there's no need for you to travel or not, not necessarily need, but there's no demand for you to travel. And then like when MVP was saying, these people who were so used to doing all those business trips, now they can just do it virtually. So it eliminates the the demand for you to actually be physically there. Now all the airline companies, their revenue just drops significantly. So like, what's the fix? Again, it's going to be the leisure travel. Like that's going to be their slow ramp up. You'll probably see uh, a lot of deals, which I've kind of sort of been seeing like, uh, yeah, dis- I've been seeing those too. Like discounted flights or package flights, or um, they break up your nonstop flights into smaller trips so it saves you money, stuff like that. And that's really the way it's going to go for a little bit because like, it's going to be a while to convince businesses to get up, get off the telework and then get back into doing those trips. And then also, since we're kind of still in the, in the turn things back on phase, where we still haven't established a way to be 100% again, that there's really haven't been a push to get these guys out of their, out of their uh, home office, air quote home office, and into the actual office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, again, for the airline guys, like uh, you'll probably be seeing a lot of um, airline packages, who knows what else, or lower business traffic. Um, well, what's what's also interesting is this article is saying that um, with the business flights uh, or business, you know, realm kind of being subdued for the time being, you know, and they were favoring the larger aircraft. But now their airlines are saying that like Airbus A350s and 777, Boeing 777s uh, that have, you know, lower unit costs, they become the base for the long haul network. but. Now they're also looking at reconfiguring the layouts of their cabins to uh, address the increased share of leisure traffic. Yeah. Uh, at the simplest level, lowest lower business class demand may warrant smaller business class cabins. So what, what that means, right. Is that they're going, okay, well we have, we have 30 rows of economics, 15 rows of business, six rows of first class. And they're going, uh, looks like we're going to get 15 more rows of economic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. that, and that's exactly it. Cause they're going to go more people are flying. Going to pay the cheap, cheaper flight ticket. Yes. Uh, oh, and speak, uh, that kind of bleeds into number two, but we, uh, in this article we're talking about, uh, staggering debt, debt levels will lead to higher ticket prices. Hoo-hoo. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Well, right. but that's exactly what's happening, right? So even from my own personal experience, this past summer, we flew down to uh, Mexico to visit the wife's family mm-hmm. and to fly from LAX to where she's from in Mexico was now there was 12 of us traveling, right? Right. Um, no, not 12 of us. I lied. Eight of us. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 
uh, eight of us were traveling and to fly from LAX to where she's from was going to be $8,000 round trip. Whoa. Like, okay, let's look a little, let's go to Vegas. Let's see what they're doing out of uh, McCarran out there. Well, that one's better, but it's six grand. <laughs> okay. What's it look like if we drove to Phoenix, um, which is a six hour drive for me? Uh, nope, they don't have anything out of there. Okay. What if we drove to Texas and then flew straight down from there? That one is still five grand. Uh, oh my God. I was, and I told the wife, I was like, if we're driving to Texas, we might as well just drive to where you're from at that point. Right. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not doing that. So the, so what was cheaper, right? And a lot of people do this is we drove three hours south to Tijuana, drove into Tijuana, parked at a parking lot there, and then flew from the Mexico side to then where my wife is from in Mexico. Jesus. And so, so going from the LAX side, right? Mm-hmm. Going from LAX was eight grand round trip for eight people. What do you think it cost to fly eight people from Tijuana to where my wife's from and back? Round trip. Round trip of four grand? $1,200. Wow. $1,200. Way off. (laughs) Way off. (laughs) Yeah. So I was, I was kind of nervous going down there and then we got that, man, there were more cars on that, in that area with us plates on them than Mexico plates. It was crazy. So many people do it now. For all those of you who don't know, you can also park on the U.S. side and take the, uh, there's a tunnel that kind of goes over the border. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but you basically park on the U.S. side, walk across the tunnel and straight into the terminal on the Mexico side. But with that, because they know you're coming from the state still, the tickets are $800 more. So we would have paid two grand, which still isn't bad. And I think to do that again, that's what I would do. I would probably just park on the U S side and pay the $800 extra and go because sitting in that border traffic was insane. Oh, must, must've been. And so again, why, why are these ticket prices high? Well, we, we just established that a lot of industries took a hit. Airlines was one of them. And when you go near broke and you owe money, one of the first probable things is to raise your prices to generate revenue, to pay off your debts. (laughs) And so Again, like in MVP's case, right? You're talking an eight grand round trip for for one from point A to point B, and that's going to be everywhere, at least until the revenue catches up again. Now, the other side to this is the a lot of airline companies or aviation companies will be looking for some kind of state program, federal program, grants, loans, etc., to kind of soften the load on these debts, which can happen, and they probably are implementing them now. I can't speak entirely as to what they're using or how much they are using but again like going back one of the easiest fix that they can control is raising the debt price or the ticket price i mean and and so one of the fixes again is uh, besides the ticket price is to uh, i'm kind of playing politician here or playing a ceo of a of a hypothetical airline company is to like collaborate with these different programs like uh, okay so you your program will fund me x amount if i decide to use greener aircraft okay whatever let's do it 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 pays down my it pays down my debt i get air cool cleaner aircraft <laughs> and and now it's a grant now i'm pioneering a yeah, grant yep now i'm using i'm i'm being uh environmental conscientious and that gives me federal money right 
So that that's that side of things. And the art and the article here kind of goes a little bit more in depth as to those programs and what they are. But I'm not too savvy enough to know what those do. So I'm gonna kind of just blast through it on that end. Uh, another thing this would t- talk about is you're gonna see a greater disparity of performance among airlines in the future. <laughs> Man, uh, oh, this, this, this is a rabbit hole I can totally a go. Greater down. disparity? I mean, it was pretty despair as it was <laughs> right. and that's what i mean like we can totally go all down a whole different rabbit hole on that one and there's totally podcasts on that that deep dive from every perspective onto what those rabbit holes are i mean feel free to um listen into those but um what what does that mean like what what how, what kind of performance disparity does that talk about well some airlines not gonna say who have a better framework than others let's just say that their business model has been better off <laughs> than most of them. And they were there. Yeah, and that might not have started that way. Right. Right. Some have had to adjust along the way to stay afloat while others are like, eh, let's just hope for the best and see what happens. Right. And that's kind of what this article was saying as well. Like some have in their, in their quoting, others may have merely muddled through. And I mean, without mentioning names, I'm pretty sure all of you can kind of, guesstimate as to which ones just kind of muddled through the thick of it <laughs> but uh <laughs> so some companies they were they've assessed the risks of what they've failed at and what they could have potentially have failed at and they adjusted and this happened pre-pandemic so when the pandemic did hit they're they were not saying they were weren't surprised but they were caught less off guard than the others and they were still kind of able to operate semi-smooth. They were still kind of you know, able to keep things functioning. But there, it, it did highlight just how much the airline companies were just not ready for a big level risk like that. And we're kind of seeing that now with the way people are traveling nowadays, who are people who have witnessed the traveling pre and post pan or pre and during pandemic, as MVP has shown, like, uh, things are like kind of like at best as best as possible given the circumstances. Let's just say that, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, uh, this is as good as it's gonna get while we have it. So, yep, everybody just just be thankful and hopefully the paychecks will come longer than we think they do. Right, and and, and we some, think they will. Excuse me. Right, and some of it is because like they just weren't they weren't with it as far as like say mobile app I- integration. Um, I know a whole bunch of airlines. I'm sure you guys have too, where there's some airlines where they're really slow in the uptick as far as mobile app reliability. <laughs> Let's just call it that mobile app reliability. Like it says your baggage is here, but it's like fucking lost over the Atlantic or some shit like that. <laughs> or your flight is get leaving gate A, but then they had a last minute change and you're going to gate A and it's moved over to gate Z. I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, you got to move around to that. I suspect, too, one of the things you'll see is that they'll start, you know, the first bag was always free. And I think we're going to start seeing that no bags are free anymore. Right. That they even start charging for carry-ons. Right. Or uh, I see a big push for, I think, what's they call it? Like, uh, like it's it's lower than economy. Um, like, there's economy and there's, like, economy basic or some shit. Like, basic necessities. I guess that's the class. <laughs> Where it like, would be, like, the third class people on the Titanic. Right. Sitting below deck with the dogs and the crates and shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like where's my room? It's right here with next to all the 
next to all the crates and the you're livestock. Gonna, you're going to see the people in the terminal and the line getting on the jetway to go in the cabin. You're going to see me and me and the rest of us down there on the ramp and we just lay down on that belt conveyor that feeds the bags into the, <laughs> to the underbelly. Great. We're just going to lay on the lay on the conveyor belt and just ride it up in there. So um, I remember seeing videos from other the listeners where they're the actual person stuffing the compartment with the bags. I didn't realize how small it was. Like here I'm thinking like the bags is kind of like the cargo bay of a of a C5 or something where you can just like fit it's shit just in. completely open on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. It's just like this little like crawl space i guess you would call it and someone like really small has to just kind of lay up in there and the conveyor belt just kind of passes the bags and they have to like tetris the whole thing and then tetris it in such a way where they're able to crawl out <laughs> once they're finished <laughs> well i i treat it like stacking hay on the hay wagon growing up mm-hmm. you started at the very back and you would you would sort of build out and up all, all at the same time you'd never build the bottom and then the next row all the way across you would you would sort of build out and up hmm. so to speak like so you would fill the wagon all the way to the top and the back before you would ever get the floor all the way covered in the front right you just kind of working it like that uh I, I see what you mean i see what you're talking about but yeah i did I, that totally blew me i'm like wow like i never expected it to be that small and we're talking like the big planes too we're not like like the 727s or, or like the the 15 passenger planes kind of like we're actually talking like the bigger ones and even then it's like a small crawl space that, that blew me away i did not know that so, so they talk about shedding excess debt here too and i kind of wonder i think we all know what that's going to come in the form of and that's going to be in the form of cutting people where mm-hmm. it probably shouldn't be but that's we all know that's what's going to happen first oh yeah but I, you know i also wonder if some of these airlines will look hey we got we got 45, let's just say, let's just say 50 aircraft mm-hmm. and, and eight of them are, they're old birds. You know, they've been, they've been flying since 75 or, or 85 or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time we look at retiring those out. So shed some excess debt, hike up the prices a little bit, fly it in. You're like, okay, well, we'll trade this one in and get a, we'll sell this one off to a foreign country. And uh, we'll purchase we'll purchase a newer uh, Airbus or Boeing or whatever it is. Right. It's funny. You me- it's funny you mentioned that because that, that actually that's a point right there too in the article as well, where it's talking about how uh, aircraft markets may be oversupplied for some time. Now, this this was kind of a head scratcher to me. Like that's kind of a good thing. Like having an overabundance of parts is fantastic because. As what MVP say, we got planes that are just old and dilapidated and they're just ready to fall to pieces the second a stiff wind like hits it. You know, the right crosswind yeah. takes it and it's fucking it's a bag of screws again. <laughs> like reverse engineering. But so as as of as reading it more and it kind of made my thought process uh, uh tick a little. When you have an overabundance of aircraft, Aircraft don't like to sit still. They have to move. They have to work. They have to do what they're meant to do. Because if you don't, it's just as bad as if you overflew it. it things are going to start to degrade. Things are going to start to seize up. St- things are going to not perform as great as if you just kind of cycled them through. But as we have all know, there's not a lot of demand for people to travel right now or ability for people to travel right now, especially because some people have lost their jobs and are looking for better things than to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so say like uh, you have like a two flight requirement, but you have 15 planes. 
you got to pick and choose which ones are going to be the two to go. And you're still going to have less, a uh, small amount of people to upkeep 15 planes. And uh, some of you who've ever done that before, where you're a 10 man team and you got to take care of planes that require an 80 person team, that gets real tiring real fast. And especially when the only thing you're able to do is just fire up the engine for a 10 minute run and then shut it down and tow it back to the hangar. That's a lot of work for a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some half the task you're going to do is going to take an hour, an hour and a half of setup for a 30 minute job and then another hour and a half to tear down. Yeah, that's the name of the game, though. Right. And so, like, why the heck, why the heck do we build some uh, have an overabundance of airplanes? Well, again, pre pandemic, they were expecting the numbers to go up. And then so they started cranking out production like, okay, let's just keep it going to keep up with demand. And then the pandemic hits and then now everything went from. Okay, we're at a steady 60 mile an hour pace. Now we're down to zero. But they still kept making the planes. Funny enough. Yeah. But yeah, so they kept kept everybody else employed. But but those planes are getting built and they're just sitting on the ramp. Right. Waiting on a customer or waiting on a form, you know, waiting on on the sale. Yes. But half the, let's just say this pre-pandemic, let's say uh, one of the airlines, they go, all right, we got an order in for five of these jets and then you say oh man pandemic thing shutting down and those airlines are going up oh, sorry i can't i'm not going to buy that right now i don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. but meanwhile the manufacturer is going uh we've already spent the money to build it uh we need to recoup that money in the sale and the airlines are going sorry about your luck jack yeah and <laughs> so now we got just birds sitting around and they're trying to keep people employed but now i'm cons- my concern is with the overabundance right so until those planes get sold off Eventually, the manufacturer is going to go, we got to stop. We can't make anything else right now or we're going to collapse financially. Mm. Right. And again, you know, like those things, they're expensive. Right. And all the time and work and manpower that goes into making these things. And then like MVP said, we don't we don't fulfill that with the sale. We a wasted material, we wasted manpower. And now we're probably going to have to lay people off because we don't have anything to keep the, the churn going. So, and you might say, well, if you were saying that these airlines are going to retire some of the old birds, so they'll buy the new ones. I said, well, no, that's not the case. Cause as this article also discussed, they're going to, they're going to cut excess debts for a while and, and go lean for a little bit until they can build a surplus up. So even though they're getting rid of an older jet, they're not going to replace it right away. They're going to wait a while, wait a while till they're back in the red. Mm-hmm. Is the red good or is it the black? Which one's better? Uh, red, red's better than black. Red's better than black. Okay, so so you're back in the red, and then then they'll purchase that new plane. So there's still going to be that period of time that that planes those those new planes are going to set idle. So so a plane's going to hit the fleet and probably be eight years old, mm-hmm. or it's, it's know, been, already with no with no flight hours, but still, yeah. Like what's it? Uh, old new shit. <laughs> old new shit. Right. So brand new birds coming out and then going straight into preservation mode. Oh man, I, I know so many cases like that. Um, we had to actually, matter of fact, I got to preserve like four planes and they're not going anywhere. They're just sitting there like wrapped up in, in uh, the silly paper. I'm like, well, someday again, these things will be air, aircraft again. <laughs> and, and so like, what, what's the fix? Like what MVP was saying, like, let's, uh, let's lease out some of the older shit that we got. So it kind of sort of builds a revenue for us to replace them, right? To foreign countries or to uh, lesser airlines, right? And I'm sure that's kind of where certain airlines get their their aircraft is from the broken hand-me-downs from bigger ones. I mean, 
uh, you, you you guys be the the mathematician on that one, <laughs> but um, like like lease them out, like or at least that's what the article says, like to lease out some of the older ones, or or you already have them in the pipe because you already bought them, just lease it out to smaller ones, so at least generate some kind of revenue where it pays itself off, and then or rent to own, and then yeah, so so the, and then the lesser airlines can stay relevant by okay, I don't have to pay for this thing outright, I'm just gonna rent. This it's like like a you're it's like a rental car for for airlines, right? Mm-hmm. You're I'm just going to rent this thing and use it while I need to, and um, I'm paying them. So let's say I got to pay them uh, one million dollars a month to operate their jet. Well, I'm projecting to make three million dollars off of that one jet a month in revenue or something. I, I you know I don't know. That's how it's going to have to work, but right. I mean, but it takes, but then you, you know, you're not paying. Okay. Well, if I'm just renting this from them, I don't have to pay for the maintenance because who I'm renting it from, they're going to take care of the maintenance. They're going to send their people out to do it. Right. And well, at, le- at least it keeps that, that flow going. So you're not just like having that, that all that stack up in the back or in the manufacturer side of the house, just waiting for its chance to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, and this article, right. and this article goes into about, uh, uh, counter cycling uh, and that's, it's a little bit advanced, especially of where we are now with countercycling. Uh, that's kind of like uh, buy when the market's down and then sell when the market's high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to an extent. But if you don't got the money to buy, then what you're going to do about it? <laughs> you know? Right. But, but at least what the, the article says, what the companies could do is buy when it's low for the future. Meaning like, I expect this aircraft in like six years. I don't need it now, but just build it when you can. And here's some of the money to front to get you guys going. And then when the market is high, where everything is expensive as fuck, you at least have an aircraft in the pipe already. So when it is high, it kind of shows up and you kind of got it for a lower price than what it was or what it would have been. So so similar when you order a vehicle from a manufacturer, right? A car. Okay. The new uh, Ford Broncos coming out or whatever. Okay. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put my order in to have that thing built. Um, it won't be ready for another year, but I'm paying for it now and getting a discounted rate. Right. So, um, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, so like it's in the pipe already then versus if you were to buy it when it's released and now you're paying for your full price plus MS plus all these other tack ons or, or up sales to kind of cover the cost of what it, what it was in the economy is going to be in the future where they're up or down. So that's, that's a totally business economic standpoint that I'm, not too savvy or I don't have the money knowledge to do, but that's more or less like kind of what is kind of going on right now. And uh, further on, it, since we have an oversupply of aircraft, we also are going to see a drop in supply routes or uh, cargo flights. And, and before we jump into that real quick, I want to, I want to hit one subject from the last paragraph. Mm-hmm. Aircraft are a significant expense for an airline, making up 10 to 15% of the carrier's cost base. Now, that article makes it sound like that's a large number, and it is, but that's not as large as I was expecting. Oh, not at all. I was thinking like aircraft costs would probably be like closer to 20, 20 something ish, right? I, I don't know. I thought I was thinking even closer to 50, just because, well, just from my experience in working on on aircraft and knowing what certain parts cost and what labor hours are charged and 
what fluids cost, um, all those kind of, and all the support equipment to take care of that and tooling. God, I would have thought it would have just been much higher than that. That's actually surprising. So I'd be curious to know what the rest of a carrier's base base cost is or cost bases. That's true. If, if the aircraft itself, let's just say for one of the major airlines, mm-hmm. if their aircraft is only 10 to 15% of their, their cost base, what, what the hell else are they, they got cost on? I mean, are they paying for terminals? Are they paying for, I mean, I'm sure there's terminal fees or whatever they got to pay and ramp fees. And I, I don't know. I'd be curious to know that, that kind of, that number blew my mind. So if anybody else out there, who's listening and works for an airline and has more insight to that, uh, hit us up on the social media and let us know. I'd be curious to know what else these airlines are spending on if the aircraft, which is the sole purpose of the airline right, is only 10 to 15%. Right. And then then like, if is that, uh, that aircraft cost, is that accounting for maintenance as well? Like the people itself, right? Is that, Oh, you know, it's a good point. Six. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's only, Maybe that's only just the asset itself, not including fuel, not including maintenance, not including air crew, not including, I don't know, yeah. the supply to maintain them. I don't know. Right. Don't know. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. It, but still, like, if you guys know, like, the total, not the total cost breakdown, but at least, like, a, a snapshot breakdown of how, what an airline cost goes through, please hit us up. We definitely want to know. And yeah, give me the cliff notes, cliff notes for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> Please give me the third grade, the third grade reader level version. Right, the the Dr. Seuss uh, rhyme for it, please. <laughs> uh, oh man, point points if you can actually make it rhyme in your explanation. That'd be so dope. Someone please do make that happen. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> well, we'll sing it ourselves. <laughs> I will. I'll, I will read it on here. Hell yeah! It, it'll be it'll be the actual uh, the intro for the episode. Hell yeah! <laughs> that'd be freaking dope. Call to action, please. Uh, someone make a rhyme for out of the cost analysis for an airline. <laughs> That'd be dope. Uh, kudos to whoever can do that, man. You, you'd be awesome. Uh, and so, like, we're going, we were talking a little bit about, like, the oversupply of aircraft. Now we're kind of talking about the undersupply of cargo flights. Uh, pre-pandemic numbers, cargo was, like, next to nothing for an airline. Like, uh, it was almost, like, negative profit for them so they had to downscale a lot of their cargo flights or just release or release it so other companies can take care of it right in aka amazon or ups and stuff like that but since the pandemic when everything shut down and now everything's all about e-commerce or buying stuff off the internet cargo freaking exploded right we've we've all Mm -hmm. seen it like everything like amazon like almost quadrupled its freaking profits like almost overnight that's not really a number, but it, that's kind of like how it felt. And so like, I mean, I, that's probably an accurate statement though. I mean, probably he went, he went from a working out of your gr- garage online store to a international, uh, uh, almost trillion dollar business. Yeah. It's crazy. That is freaking crazy. Uh, go listen to our, our survivorship bias on, on like the odds of that happening again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, so like so like with this article it says like well um, like cargo flights was probably around twelve percent of an airline's um revenue and cost and all that. And then here comes pandemic and it all and like it shot up to almost forty nine percent of their revenue. That's a lot. 
Now, imagine like being a company and like, hey, we need you guys to fly some cargo stuff. And you only had two planes to do it, but it was a 15 plane demand. Like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you obviously have crazy. to you obviously have to adjust to meet that demand because, hey, wherever the money is, we don't we obviously don't have leisure or business flights no more. So, hey, fuck it. Cargo it is. And then now yeah, everything's starting to slowly trickle back to the brick and mortar aspect of things or for people to actually be physically at uh, a store or a job or whatever the cargo is going to be less and less of a demand so now companies are going to have to somehow find a way to shift it without destroying that side of the house like almost overnight now uh, i don't know i don't know how that's going to work but going from a 49 percent like revenue stream to like next to nothing I, I mean, whoever's an econ- economist or whoever is like a, a budgetary analyst, please tell me how that's going to work out because it, it sounds like it's going to be a hot mess right off the bat. Oh, for sure. I mean, imagine, imagine your current paycheck and then all of a sudden they're just like, and we're taking about 49% of that, like, which uh, I guess we kind of already do in taxes. So look at your gross pay and then look at what your take home is and then cry. <laughs> Cry like the rest of us. Oh, cry. I, I'm definitely crying. I'm crying so hard right now, man. That's right. essentially what happened, though, right? If you look at your gross pay, and you're like, dang, I made some good money this week. And taxes, 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 and medical. Oh, okay. I guess I've earned this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there was that one meme we posted like some time ago. Like, uh, I wait till after I pay my bills to see how happy I am on payday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And it's so true though. Like, like, um, like we got so much responsibilities and whatnot, especially of our pay. And that's kind of the reason why a lot of people are demanding more, uh, for their services because they realize just how much they essentially need to survive. Like in our case, what we were saying, and then you see the check, you see the taxes. And then now you're like, well, fuck, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, t- I totally lost track of where I was going with this, but, <laughs> but imagine like, so, lo- go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, like, go ahead. Uh, I was saying like, do you imagine like losing 49% of your revenue because there's just no demand for it no more? I, I would seriously like break down. I, I, no shame. I would break down. <laughs> I mean, it's crippling. Yeah. So, uh, what, so what, what were you saying again? Sorry. Well, I was going back to the article. So, so talking about the, lack of cargo and everything else. So what's the next step? Bring back freighters carefully. So in response to the high demand and low supply of air freight right now, carriers could investigate short to medium term opportunities to boost their cargo services. Airlines can enhance their flexibility through measures such as increasing the deployment of so-called freighters or passenger airplanes that are also used to transport cargo. You know what? I I remember hearing some stuff of this like way back though. This was like pre nine eleven shit, where like guys can hop on a on a cargo flight for a cheaper rate. It's just gonna you're gonna just make more frequent stops. Yep. So I'm like, oh fuck, that that was a thing. I didn't know that. Like I can just take a FedEx flight and just say like I'm delivering a package on my route to fucking Amsterdam. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean that that would be. I mean, that'd be a way for both cargo uh, airlines and, and passenger airlines to both benefit. You could say, hey, 
you know, UPS Airlines, hey, we're we're going from Louisville to Houston. Uh, we're stopping in Memphis along the way. Oh, okay. Well, what's the ticket? Uh, you know, tickets normally two hundred bucks. It's a hundred bucks. Oh, sold. Right. You just I'll have. Sit, to- I'll sit. On, I've, I've 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 sat in enough C seventeens and laid across pallets in my time to know that I'm okay with that. Right. It's like, oh, you just need me to deliver a package within three business days. Pfft, solid. You got it. Sold. Sold. Yep. And I want to say they do something similar to trucks, like uh, trucks hauling uh, uh, cargo. Uh, I don't know the full dynamic of it, but I know it's something along the lines where if you if you're willing to do the route, we'll pay you X amount to get there. And then whatever you make up in time, we'll just pay you on the as a as a bonus. I'm like, fuck, why not? Shit, you pay for my gas and all that shit, too. Oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right. So that's a good that's a big one, especially for cargo, like for a 49 percent to like a projected. I think the article said a projected 30 percent. That's like a 19 percent drop. I'm like. That's a, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a big deal, especially for uh, a company that's relying on that to be their main source of revenue before the leisure flights and the business flights slowly start to kick back in uh, if they do in the time they need it to. But it's, I wonder how that would work, though, because if you're OK, if we're also car hauling cargo, but let me put it to you this way. So let's just say. How do you know when you can put cargo on a passenger jet? Uh, well, we got this flight going from LAX to Miami. Um, and it only booked half full, but do you have to have a cutoff time for that? Okay. It only booked half full. Now we can throw this cargo on it or let's say, Hey, we got this cargo slated to go to Miami on this passenger flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you only get to sell half tickets then at that point? Right. Weight and balance purposes and, and then passenger and their luggage purposes. Like what, what's the, I wonder what those numbers are, right? What the determination is. Right. And then, then now you're also talking about since it's a passenger passenger flight with cargo, uh, most cases when it's a passenger only, you know, they got to they have some kind of a, a count out to like this is the max load a passenger can have to make this plane airworthy. Now, let's tack on cargo with that mix. And then now you're talking about some all kinds of weight and balance issues. So imagine like the car. I, I would assume they would put the cargo first. Like, OK, cargo weighs this much. It has to happen, period. And then they somehow factor the passengers and then imagine you you're like okay cool i got a i got a ticket for x amount cheaper because i'm on a cargo flight you bring all your stuff and then they tell you well now you can't bring your bags because now we're overweight (laughs) Um, yeah exactly what or do you or can they only haul cargo that don't have a three-day delivery guarantee is it only cargo that's uh it, it can be there uh anytime between this date and two months after that. So it's got, it's got a little bit of time that they can weasel the parcels through little bits at a time. Cause let's just face it, right. You're not going to be hauling Amazon cargo on there. Right. With that, with that kind of a mentality. Like, oh, you know, you went from a three day business delivery guarantee to a three month delivery like that. That's not going to fly. Right. Uh, you, you know what it might, ha- what they might do is they might play it like a uh, space available where like, they factor the cargo first and the and the aircraft's itinerary first, and then they say they just put like an all call, like, all right, who yep. wants to fly? In, like, who wants to fly now in like the next 10 minutes? I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, everyone, pack your shit, let's go. And then now it's like yep. a race. I've done that before. And then it's like a race to the finish line to see who gets on the plane first. 
I know. I mean, I to to get that space A sometimes, right? Traveling home from overseas, I've done it to where I've just slept in the terminal. So as soon as I hear space A, and I've been in there for days on end, straight, right? I don't go and sleep in another room somewhere. I might just run to the DFAC real quick to grab some food and I come right back. Mm-hmm. And I just sit there and as soon as I say space A, I'm like, yep, here, here. Right. Just so I can get on first. Yep. And then like uh for those of you who don't who've never done space A, there's like certain rules they have for space a like uh you have to be a certain category of a passenger you have to have some kind of a work status or a non-work status uh if you're disabled etc 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 so uh, these if they actually do apply these accommodations to cargo flights or assuming they do or hypothetically if they do i'd imagine like their their restrictions for it is going to be pretty strict like uh you can come onto this cargo flight but you have you have to have like zero baggage Right. And you must be able to pull yeah. an emergency handle or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, uh, you've got to be, uh, of a certain age group of a certain physical fitness size. Uh, you've got to be able to move certain things and you can only carry a backpack. Yeah. If that, oh, if you, that, right. Yeah. Can you imagine the lawsuit from that man? It like, so like, I'm being discriminated against. I'm like, well, dude, like, it's either that or you die with the cargo. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, like, I'm curious. I mean, about that. I mean, I travel most of the time. Like, if I'm going back east to visit family or something like that, I just half the time I'll just roll up a, one pair of jeans, or I'll just wear the one pair of jeans over and over again. Uh, you know, the ones that I'm traveling in, and then I just take some extra shirts, socks, and underwear, and that's what I just I just roll those up and keep them in the bottom of the backpack. Right. So we've kind of highlighted a whole lot of shit that uh that both us and the article was talking about some of the challenges that airlines have to do in light of things slowly starting to return to normal. Who knows if it's going to be, but we're kind of rolling as if it is on the plus side with, with the pandemic coming through uh, a lot of innovations have had the jump start They needed to become a priority like uh, greener aircraft, um, better mobile apps for airline check-ins and shit like that and figuring out new ways to restructure the airlines now some doing it better than others i admit that and then just kind of figure out where their risk uh, management is and what they need to do about it so yeah it's it, all it, about that risk management it kind of threw it in everyone's faces like here it is here's your big risk like oh shit what do we do right so mm-hmm. it, it's one of those worst case scenarios like what could a what could the worst thing to happen was happened and it really did and now we're just kind of like in a reaction phase so like okay now what do we do to fix it what do we do them to to keep it going and it's pushed a, it's kind of like war but for a non-war scenario if that makes any sort of sense like because we, we we've all can admit that war kind of drives innovation and shy of an actual war kicking off this is like the next worst thing where Everything's shut down for a particular reason, and now we have to innovate new ways to figure out how to bridge the gap until everything turns back on. Exactly. Whew, well, we covered quite a lot, man. <laughs> I think so. With that, it's time to say goodbye. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everybody. All right, everyone. Have a good one. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. 
Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.